Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed. This is one of our deep dive episodes, and we are going to deep dive into a book about lightsabers. One of my favorite things to dive into. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. 
I'm Ken Knapsack, and I've got this book in my hands, and this is a journey I'm excited to discuss. Excellent. Me too. Uh, we always want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You can, in fact, use all of them and listen to one book all at the same time. Why would you do that? I don't know. We're going to recommend the book Ahsoka by E.K. Johnston. It's got some great stuff in it. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audio book. Uh, just wanted to get through that nice and fast, Ken, so we can hmm. spend as much time as possible talking about lightsabers. Uh, so this week we're discussing this great mini coffee table book. It's called The Lightsaber Collection. It's from Insight Editions. And like its name says, it's just a collection of close-up images of lightsaber hilts, uh, ignited hilts, full blades, and a couple of paragraphs about the owner of the blade, uh, the saber itself, and sometimes some behind-the-scenes stuff. So, Ken, what what's your overall reaction to this book? Oh, man, I, I got to tell you, this uh, this is a beautiful book. Lit- like, literally, a beautiful book. The design, the pictures, the the aesthetic. Uh, man, I really love that. Um, and I love, so Daniel Wallace, he's been, I think he's done a lot of legend stuff, wrote uh, written a lot of Star stuff back in the day. I really kind of like what he does. He just it says, hey, you know the thing you've seen and you watched and you kind of celebrate as a Star Wars fan? Let's just talk about that for a little bit. And I'll, <laughs> and I'll give you some behind the scenes stuff, like you said, or or I'll treat it completely real. I have his, um, gosh, I forget the title. It came out a couple of years ago uh, following um, like the Rogue One era, but it was like all the battles. It's got the battle of, of, of Lothal and, or the battle of Ryloth, I should say. And it's got a hero. It's got a villain. It's got who was in the lead, what vehicles used. And I, as much as you and I love discussing the big emotional themes of star Wars and all the stuff I, that, that still is uh, the stuff I love as well. And so Daniel Wallace, I really like uh, when he pops up and uh, this is another example of just going, Hey, to the point, that thing you like, here's a thing about it. Let's celebrate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, well said. I, I am not familiar. I'm aware of that uh, Battles book, but I haven't read it. And that sounds great. And I think Inside Editions in, in general is doing a really good job with uh, having these things that uh, sometimes they dance in, in, into the narrative. But for the most part, they're taking these elements of Star Wars and really celebrating them. Uh when this book was announced, I was really excited about it, and I thought it would be a big coffee table book, and I was so delightfully shocked. Uh, I guess I didn't go into Amazon and read the dimensions. Uh, delightfully shocked when it showed up, and it's this little lightsaber-sized book, so it feels exactly right. It's almost like those photos are like, this is around the general kind of size of the thing. It's a, a great shape uh, for a book about lightsabers. And just in terms of what the actual book is, I really the book is citing examples from shows, from movies, from video games. It's really up to date uh, with all of the Star Wars lore of uh, of lightsabers. And I like any book that that's like this. It's a step back. It's a reference book, and it really blends all the eras, all the ideas together. And it really feels uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff, uh, but it still does almost feel like a little bit of a document from inside the galaxy because it's blending all the times and all the characters together so much in, in a great way. Um, and I think the, my other overall reaction is just uh, 
some personal discoveries. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love lightsabers. I am a Jedi uh, Force lightsaber first kind of fan. Not that I don't love any element of Star Wars, but that is, I think, where my greatest passion is. That's where any uh, any crustiness will immediately be scraped off by the ignition of a lightsaber. Um, you know, at one point when a, a friend was kind of pressing me around 2004 when I was like real excited for Revenge of the Sith, like, you know, but but uh, so many people don't think those movies are good. And I was just like, leave me alone. They have lightsabers in them. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, that uh, part of that is my truth of like that. They're, they're so important to me. Um, so it's great to flip through this book. That's all about them. But just really looking at them and it made me realize, yeah, there's some classics that I love in terms of the different uh, uh, hilt designs. But what I really respond to is when the lightsaber designs are a little bit uh, different or weird. And when the lightsaber designs really, really successfully reflect some truth about the character. Yeah. And that's part of the, the, the what, 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 what this book brings to the table and, and, and does it uh, many times. Um, and, and for me, I just want to touch on the idea of um, what you're saying, how you are a Jedi guy, you are a lightsaber guy. And, and I am, too, because I'm a Star Wars fan, right? <laughs> I, I can have that T-shirt uh, that you just coined, uh, you just created right there. But I, you know, I'm more likely to want a Blasters book <laughs> or Inside the Y Wig. I, I don't know why. But, um, so when this was first announced, I was like, okay, yeah, 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 it sounds good, it sounds good, uh, it sounds great. And I too thought it was going to be a large book, uh, much like the Star Wars Archives book uh, that not only do I enjoy, but I use to uh, press and dry my tofu. Uh, that's how heavy the book is. Um, <laughs> this isn't that. And it's also just so simple. It's like, oh, yeah, this would be about the size of a lightsaber hilt. Why wouldn't you design the book like that? Yes. Um, but after reading this and just and it is kind of an easy pick it up on a lazy Sunday afternoon uh, and just kind of thumb through it type of book. Man, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I can't forget. I do love lightsabers. I do love what they represent. And uh, we talked on the Imagining Star Wars episode last week. It just, you know, uh, I got that toy lightsaber right next to me. So it's like, yeah, we are connected to these. And this book celebrating them. It really worked for me, for someone who is maybe like, oh, give me the DL-44 versus Luke's Blade. And 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 um, I, I think that's, a, again, a testament to how uh, fun the book was, if, if it convinced a, a blaster guy like me. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm right there with you. And and I, lightsabers will uh, always be sort of that uh, real big passion. But I would love a blaster book. That would be great. I hope they make a blaster book around the size of a blaster. Because I just do like how it, it puts all of them from the different eras together. And then you can really, uh, you know, they really communicate with one another in such a great way. And I would love that uh, for blasters to kind of see how they all connect in all the different designs. Um, but for our discussion here, we're going to uh, I think uh, the biggest part of this book is really you get to flip through and some of the uh, blades are ones, you know, really well that there's plenty of reference material to. And some of them are like they're they're rendered, um, but they're from uh, comics or animated series or parts of the movie where you never really see them without somebody's hands all over them. Mm-hmm. So you never really see the blade. And this is an opportunity to just like, or rather the hilt. You get to really truly see the hilt. Uh, so we're going to discuss uh, this first half of our podcast, uh, some of the ideas that are presented in the intro chapters. There's some great stuff about lightsaber creation, design, combat, all that. And, and a lot of interesting stuff in there that I wanted to, to talk with uh, Ken about. And then the second half of the podcast, we're just going to nerd out about which hilts were our favorite and why. Uh, mm-hmm. So with that, let's uh, let's dive into some of the big picture ideas that are in the first half of the book. 
not even the first half, uh, the first several pages, which are all sort of uh, opening entries about lightsabers. Uh, one of the things that gets talked about right away, Ken, is lightsabers as symbols. Uh, and there's some discussion of all the different things that they can mean. Uh, for you, what is the key thing that a lightsaber is a symbol of? Is it tradition in general? Is it personal heritage? Is it uh, expertise, uh, precision, heroism? What is it for you that lights your imagination? What are they a symbol of? I think lightsabers are a symbol of duty. To wield it means you must be prepared to be everything that this weapon represents. It's it's an honor to have one, but there's great purpose to have one, and, and you have to be aware of that purpose every time you hold on to one. Yeah. Do you get that when you pick up your toy lightsaber and you, like we all play a uh, Star Wars kid and whoosh it around? Is a part of that the fantasy of I have a great responsibility? Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> In a way, yeah, right? Sometimes you just want to swing a blade around. But no, yeah, I, I as much as I have my Imperial insignia hat or buy a, a, an AT-AT walker before I would buy a, a rebel, uh, you know, troop transport or whatever. Those are just cooler toys. I rarely grab a lightsaber and pretend I'm a Sith hacking down people. <laughs> rarely. I, I'm defending. I'm defending. I'm, I'm doing all that. And so, yeah, I, I think it, I think it, uh, it you know, it, you could, you know why? Cause that, that first image that pulled me in as a kid is, is Luke on the, on the sales sail barge, right? Mm -hmm. That, that, and it, it's action. He's he is hacking and slashing, but with great purpose. Uh, once you really kind of dive into it, so yeah, I, I connect with that more than anything. Yeah, and you probably walked past a poster where the main image was just that blade being held high, right? Totally, it totally is. Yeah, yeah, and, and there's a lot of that in the original trilogy, and a lot of that in in the Return of the Jedi and the triumphant, like the the hero has their blade and they have returned to defend peace and justice. So I think there's a ton of that. Uh, I think for me, there's two things that, that A, I agree with you, and then two other things that just kind of rise to the the top is I think just this sense of the ancient reignited. I think it's partially because of the introduction to the lightsaber in A New Hope of there is a personal heritage to it, to Luke, of this was your father's. He wanted you to have it when you were old enough. But then also like this is the symbol of this uh, this lost order of peacekeepers who are gone now. So it's always got that sense of the ancient. And then, you know, the laser sword part of it is just like, yeah, that's cool. That's a great way to combine uh, fantasy and science fiction. But there's, uh, I think that power in the fact that it ignites and you can look at this hilt and, you know, it can look old and, and strange and, uh, and maybe buried by the past, but then you hit that button on and you're back in the present. And it's like this connection between uh, the past and the present. It's like the lightsaber is the ancient ignited to me. Uh, so that's like a deep uh, connection. And then I think mm -hmm. for me, the, the um, connecting to what you were saying of it, it's about uh, duty and responsibility. Uh, is it such a commitment to action, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's not, it, it can be used metaphorically as a shield, uh, but it is a sword and it's a commitment to action. And, and I think that is also a power of the ignition itself. Uh, when Luke catches the hilt in Return of the Jedi, that's cool. When R2 fires it, that's cool. But the big moment is it's ignited. I'm making a choice to stand up to Jabba and uh, defend and rescue my friends is this commitment to action and heroism. Oh yeah, uh, more more on that probably in a bit for me too. But 
I love, I love what you're saying here of the, the ignition of it, of, because it's not a, you know, you pull, a, you pull a sword out of a, a sheath. That's kind of an unveiling. Yeah. Uh, but, but this, this works on a little bit different level where it is like, anytime you're about to see a star Wars character, ignite a, 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 a lightsaber for the first time. I, even Kylo Ren in the force awakens teaser trailer. Right. Uh, we didn't know who he was at the time. It is, it is truly a hello. This is who I am. This is what I have. And this is my color, or this is my, you know, the shape. Uh, it, it means something. And, and, and we react to that every time. I don't know. Again, maybe going back to Luke and, and Obi-Wan's hut, uh, you know, looking eye first down the blade, then igniting. <laughs> it, it, it does work on that level, what you're saying. And, 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 it, and it connects and it is part of history. But now it is definitely here in front of you. The blade is, is ignited. I, I love you saying that. I love that. Yeah, yeah, and I think when you tie it to sort of uh, Jedi storytelling and Jedi philosophy that, you know, they would much rather have just a peaceful conversation uh, over a nice drink, and when they have determined I must stand up, I must defend someone, there's a commitment, because a blade is ignited now, and that's there's a power in that. Um, there's a lot of discussion in uh, those early uh, introductory chapters of the lightsaber as a weapon of honor. Uh, which you were really alluding to, and that makes sense to me for the Jedi. Uh, but that just really got me thinking of like, yeah, everything you and I have been talking about uh, for the the lightsaber being a symbol of honor makes perfect sense for the Jedi. If that is the truth of a lightsaber, that it's a symbol of honor, what does it mean that the Sith wield them? Um, and to me, it's a weapon of 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 power to them, uh, intimidation. I, I I maybe even explain it to myself. I don't know if this makes perfect sense. Hear me out here, Joseph. The Jedi are kind of saying, don't make me use this. Yes. The Sith, yeah, the Sith are saying, I'm going to use this. And that subtle difference in my mind makes sense to me, maybe. Just like, that's what it is. Do the Sith feel they have a sense of honor and duty? Yeah, probably to what they believe. That's kind of uh, the complicated nature of villains. It's kind of why we're sometimes pulled in by intriguing villains. But Really, it's the w way you use it, uh, everything you're describing with the Jedi and, and honor and committing to, to action. I, 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 subtle subtle change, but the Sith aren't necessarily uh, choosing to commit to action. They're like, the action's going to happen, and uh, I'm going to figure out what that means later, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm going to commit to taking whatever I want. Uh, if you're in my way or I just feel like it, I'm going to cut you down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, it, the code of honor is uh, selfishness and greed and anger. So I guess it's a code, uh, but yeah. I think they, you know, probably break their own code. Uh, yeah, I, I just really love thinking about it this way. It always, it's always made sense as like, yeah, it's these uh, two, you know, groups of uh, ancient warriors, and they have these traditions, and they have uh, mastery and all that. So the lightsabers always made sense to me from that perspective. Uh, but thinking about it this way, I, I like the lightsabers as in analogy, just for power. Um, and Star Wars is this great heightened story about, you know, uh, space wizards and evil space wizards who need to have all these years of training and mastery to wield this particular weapon of power. But it can still just be an analogy for we all have power, we all have choice. And to see the lightsaber is, hey, this is maybe an idea of how to use your power is you were saying, you know, ignite it when you are absolutely firm in your convictions ignite it when you absolutely must ignite it when you are sure that you are helping someone and then on the other hand you can ignite it whenever you want for whatever you want to get what you want you know yeah <laughs> get what you want it's quite a get what you want type of tool yeah yeah i also like the, and this is this is bubbled around 
in different uh, storytelling and lore and honestly like plaques I've seen at uh, Disneyland. Uh, but I like the idea of the Sith almost, you know, keeping the lightsabers because they're, you know, powerful weapons. They're trained in them. They, they're, you know, a part of their, uh, you know, tradition uh, as well. But also in, it's a great way to kind of mock the Jedi. If the Jedi are like, this is a symbol of power. It's a symbol of honor. You know, it's a symbol of expertise and precision. It's a great way for the Sith to go like, eh, that's all hyperbole. It's a sharp thing to cut people when I want stuff. It's just like a great way to kind of, just wielding them is a great way to undercut uh, the Jedi philosophy and kind of mock it. It, it, uh, Hear me out here. I know I say weird things, Joseph. I know. You don't have to lie. I say weird things. Um, (laughs) We all do. We all do. I'm going, you're talking and I'm going to, to, to uh, Heath Ledger's Joker talking to Batman going, you can't go this far. I can't. So you have this nice blade that is heroic and ancient and you're expected to use it in a certain way. Look at mine. It's red and it's evil and it's chaotic and I can do whatever I want with it. It is kind of mocking to me. It is like they didn't create their own. No, we're going to take yours. And we're going to bleed the blade, literally. I love that addition to modern canon. I, I I love that. And I think you're right. I think it is kind of like going, oh, that's neat. That's neat. You got a cute little blue blade. Look at my red evil blade. And I can cut people down. I can take what I want. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a, a great pull. I don't think that's a weird thing at all. And and for me, I go back to our discussion of, uh, of Palpatine's uh, manipulation, seduction of Anakin in the opera box of uh, lies of... Mm-hmm saying his opening gambit to Anakin to even get Anakin to consider possibly using dark side powers to save Padme is he positions the Sith and the Jedi are well they're being the same they both want power and you know Anakin kind of pushes back and he really you know plays that like both sides are the same they both you know they're similar in every respect and the lightsabers are like this great extension of that of like okay you think that those are symbols of honor uh, they're just weapons to hack people apart. You hack and slash too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, so it um yeah. ties to some other great moments in Star Wars to me. Totally does. Uh, so then there's a great passage about the lightsaber's power being established in A New Hope uh, by how quickly and effortlessly Obi-Wan disarms Ponda Baba. And uh, we make lots of jokes about all the severed limbs in the galaxy, but what does that mean to you when you think of the lightsaber as primarily a, a disarming device, uh, whether you embrace the pun of that or not, <laughs> when you think of it as a pun or a philosophical disarming device, what does that mean to you? Uh, speaking, look, uh, speaking in uh, generalities here, I think you can go through a lot of different Star Wars storytelling and maybe point to a Jedi hacking droids down or whatever. We, we can have those discussions. We're, we're, I want to speak in general terms here. Uh, to me, what you're describing symbolizes that the Jedi way just starts by default on a path of defense first. You said committing to action earlier, and that that uh, got me excited, Joseph, because uh, to attack, and you can attack. Again, like we just said, there's been some attacking, and there's some discussions to, you know, what which is uh, the Jedi way, again, in, on, on an individual moment-by-moment basis. But to, you, to commit to action, you, you're committing your whole being to the effort in a general sense. So, therefore, to... Um, to use it, like you said, to disarm, to to uh, knowledge and defense. You hear that all the time. It means it's not a blaster. And hear me out here. Um, I, I think there's a like a Peter Jackson quote of just like kind of the the romance 
of sword fighting and sword combat. And it's brutal. All right. We, we romanticize kind of dashing knights, but it, it's ugly. Right. But there is kind of this thing where it's like, it's face to face. It's intimate. You have to become intimately acquainted with your enemy. You're not at a distance. You're not just firing indiscriminately. You have committed to the action you're, you're about to do. So that to me just symbolizes everything you're, just, you're describing there of just, uh, Obi-Wan had to decide to do that, and that was kind of the end of it. He didn't ha- cut him in two, unlike Maul, um, though that didn't work, right? Um, it was, uh, it, it's all in line to me with the Jedi way. If, if that rambling diatribe make, make, makes sense to you, that's what I That's where I go, go with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and I really agree with you. I think that's, you know, the whole Obi-Wan, how uncivilized and, you know, not as, not as clumsy or random yeah. as a blaster. Like, yeah, it's that it's that difference between just like, uh, you got a problem, open fire, and, you know, who knows who else you might hit. Like, I would think Jedi would be relatively precise with the blasters, but it's this philosophical yeah. thing of if I am going to make the choice that violence is absolutely necessary, I want to take full responsibility for it. Uh, it is intimate. It is precise. Uh, I choose the level of violence. And I really like that idea of like, yes, uh, lightsabers should be a, a shield. They should be a disarming device from the Jedi perspective of hopefully maybe we'll be in situations where just having one on the belt will <laughs> disincentivize violence or maybe just igniting one will be uh, as far as we need to go. But, you know, in, in countless examples, starting in a new hope of, you know, uh, Obi-Wan isn't like ah, walrus man pushed Luke goodbye it's please let me get you a drink oh no the blasters are coming out okay uh let's go with the quick efficient uh disarming and and i think that this book highlights really well like that's the our introduction to lightsabers in action we we see luke uh, play with one in the hut um but our introduction to lightsabers in action is uh precision defense minimizing violence Uh, you know it is uh the lightsaber is practically put away before anyone can understand what happened yeah, actually, you're right. He's like, yeah, we'll go. cool. It's like, who's that? That guy came in here with some kind of glowing tube. What is it? Is there a rave? What's going on? Yeah, it's it's gone already. Uh, yeah, so I love that thinking about them as a as a disarming tool, both uh, literally and on a larger philosophical level. So there are some great quotes about the evolution of lightsaber combat. That whole page was great. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, But big picture, it's some stuff that's been discussed before, but uh, it's great to kind of have it all in one place. Uh, This idea that Lucas was really firm in the original trilogy, that this was like heavy broadsword fighting, like that there was a big energy to it. Uh, It's a quote from Mark Hamill about how George was always really insistent of like, this is for the most part, almost always a two-handed thing. Uh, And then of course we get to the prequel trilogy and it's uh, fast and acrobatic. And uh, Nick Lard talks about it being a multidiscipline thing that he involved every style of fighting uh, of every kind and, and other things like uh, tennis and wood cutting. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's uh, fast and acrobatic and sometimes uh, even dance like and balletic. Uh, and then this uh, quote from Abrams uh, saying that he really wanted the fights in the sequel trilogy to be uh, more primitive aggressive and rougher so i just wanted to ask you your thoughts on that evolution of fighting styles if they work for you if you have a preference all that kind of stuff they, they all work for me of their time i have really grown to love the the evolution of this uh both some behind the scenes stuff i'm glad i'm glad you read that abrams quote i, I was gonna uh, maybe toss it to myself if you didn't because I, I really love it and you and i have touched upon on some of the stuff before but um i have like I've always loved the mall fight. I really always have. I, I've liked all the fights. Um, I was really happy to finally see the Mustafar duel after reading about it in the novel in '83. <laughs> right? But that, 
I always had somewhat of a problem compared to not just that, oh, the original trilogy, it's different. And I got the different eras. I just, I was less interested in the high flying. Uh, it definitely looks like Corey, a dance choreography. Um, you know, it's just a real world thing about it. But I, but I slowly have started to buy into what Lucas has said about, look, they're at the height of their powers. Um, he, knowing the time frame, those late 90s, early 2000s, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, a lot of that kind of, there was Matrix, a lot of kind of like high stylized kind of cool, just downright cool action sequences. Not that cool action sequences don't have great meaning to them. But I, I, I didn't, I wasn't pulled in by that. I've been more and more kind of uh, really understanding the evolution and enjoying them for what they are. My favorite, my favorite though. Now look, ranking, ranking lightsaber fights, uh, Star Wars rank. I'm going to go to <laughs> Return of the Jedi Throne Room. The Obi Wan Maul two battle in in Star Wars Rebels just moves me and is is my favorite um, for what it was and and even for what it wasn't. Uh, but I got to tell you, the Ray and Kylo stuff has become my overall favorite. Wow. Because of what JJ's saying, the battle on the Death Star 2 wreckage is I, I could just watch over and over again. And that's not even it is a, it is a fight that come, goes to a conclusion, I think. Um, the the Snoke throne room stuff is a little bit of uh, prequel choreography, but it's a little more raw and brutal. And then just the unchecked kind of, uh, you know, pain and power and confusion and discovery that is the Starkiller base fight. And I, I will include Finn in that mm -hmm. uh, with brave act to pick up a blade that he doesn't, uh, you know, and he, yes, he had it before on Takadana, but he's doing it out of uh, a very special, powerful point for, from my point of view with Finn. I love that Finn moment. You and I have talked about that. So I include that in that fight as well. Um, I don't know. I keep going back to that stuff. I love them more. Again, uh, ranking wise, the throne room <laughs> Jedi in the moment where the, the the chorus comes in. Yeah, yeah, I can I can have those discussions. But talking about the evolution of style as described in this book, I keep going towards the sequel trilogy. Yeah, I, I, it's really, really great to hear you walk through uh, all your favorites. And I think, uh, yeah, there's there's the ones that are really uh, emotionally impacting and uh, yeah if we're gonna rank them i'll i'll put uh the obi-wan maul in rebels fight up there on the top because there's so much going on there it's such a short uh fight uh but there's so much meaning packed into it so that's always uh you know important to keep in mind with the lightsaber fights and i think that's why i like them all is because they all do work emotionally um i often mm -hmm. go to empire strikes back and vader uh, uh vader and luke and it, it is this real it's the Vader really testing Luke and, and, you know, Luke discovering that he is powerful, but not as powerful as he thinks. And it's, in fact, not actually about whether he can physically beat Vader. It's whether or not he actually knows the story. And that's what's actually, you know, at stake in the in the lightsaber fight. Uh, so there are all those emotional things. Uh, and I love the, the, the Lucas's logic works for me of Luke is uh, new. Uh, Vader has developed a, a different style. And Luke is matching that style, and it is a little bit uh, more of this sort of broadsword style. That's always worked for me. And then the, yeah, they're at the height of their power, uh, and it is an entire order who has all sorts of philosophy about exactly how this works, all sorts of history. You have endless uh, classes <laughs> that you take on this. You start getting trained as young as three or four years old. Uh, I love that. Um and for me, The Phantom Menace will always be one of my favorites. And I know I have a friend who I talked to a little while back who's, a, you know, like Star Wars. Uh, but we were talking about other things. I think we were talking about Twin Peaks. And he's like, and by the way, that terrible lightsaber fight in The Phantom Menace. is like, what are you talking about? Uh, 
And, you know, he really broke it down for me. It's like, I, I don't, it's not raw. It's, it's like they're dancing. And that's that. And mm-hmm. that was one of those great moments of like, you and I agree on exactly what this is. And it's just like, you know, olives, either you like the taste or you don't. <laughs> and for me, I love that they're at the height of their power and they're checking one another, right? Like Obi-Wan and, and Maul are uh, fighting ferociously, but they also kind of know all the beats of this and they're checking to see does it does the other one know all of the beats of of what should happen here and can i find a creative way around and through their defenses and do they know this move oh they do (laughs) but it's all just happening lightning fast so the way they have that like that dance move where they kind of have a phrase and then they both spin apart because that's the part of the the combat that they both know and they're seeing if you know does the other know something that i don't or does either have a creative solution to this that I don't know about, you know, and Maul only gets one up on him. And then Obi-Wan gets even more one up on him uh, when it's becoming more emotional and we're, when they're letting their guard down, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I could go on and on about uh, what I love oh. about that fight. I get the criticism. If you don't like it, that it's very mm. balletic and it is, uh, but that's why I like it. Yeah, no, I, I look, I got to tell you, so I, this is an area that I've I've hopefully grown as a Star Wars fan. Uh, and I love those moments where I'll look, you know, I'll, I'll mention my name. I don't want to talk about his back. Uh, Mark Fernandez used to employ me over at Collider and has his Star Wars show. Mark, Mark and I, we're, we love the same football team. We love Star Wars. He is a passionate Star Wars fan. We just disagree on a lot of things. That <laughs> we're on opposite sides of a lot of things. And if Mark was listening, he'd probably laugh and say, yeah, we do. Um, uh, and, and we were on a show, uh, we were on his rule of two show when Riley was on it and, and he was talking about why he loves the prequel fights. And I had come in with a, uh, you know, a little bit of like, uh, here we go. And he explained some of the stuff you're talking about and exactly what you said, Joseph of he pointed and said, Hey, I like this because this is this. And I went, I don't like this because it's that, but I had never stopped to get over my own point of view <laughs> and, and, and listen to someone else. Uh, on that and and we're always going to mark and i are going to probably have some differences on star wars um always but um i i think it's a, it was an important reminder and i saw it through his eyes in that conversation and i went oh yeah that it works for me now to see it through your eyes i like that i like that and that's a powerful mind and i fail a lot in that i do fail a lot of that in this very heightened twitter debatey time uh, and I have some hard opinions and sometimes I get grumpy here in Force Center and you and I try to fight ourselves against that. But that was a moment and I'm hearing what you're saying, Joseph, where it's like, yeah, it's still maybe not my favorite, but like, oh, yeah, no, the, the what's intended is there. And yeah, my opinions can't take that away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's also really uh, I think everything you're saying is great. And I think, you know, we always wrestle with how to talk about this, but it's always best, I think, when we can say, here's why I like it. Here's why I don't. And it's an open conversation instead of it is the worst lightsaber ever, period. That's not a great way to start a conversation. Right. <laughs> Puts one on the defensive. Um, but I think one of the other super important things about that Obi-Wan mall fight that I really like is there's that big section that's just a, a camera pretty far back and there aren't cuts. And I just love seeing flowing action where the camera isn't moving but the people inside it are that's a kind of uh, shooting of action that i like and i think it and i think that really emphasizes uh the dance moves a balletic side of it mm-hmm. um i like what nick lard said about it of all of his choreography is that he wrote the fights and they're all chess it's like chess and every move is a check and that builds that idea too of like 
we're, we're just going through the motions of these different forms in different combinations of forms, trying to find a chink in somebody's uh, defensive armor. Um, mm-hmm. And I've really come uh, when I was younger, I had the like, oh, man. And I've even made jokes about this recently of the like uh, the last time Obi-Wan and uh, Vader fought on Mustafar, they were spinning and flipping and doing everything. And then they're just like, you know, very, very uh, sadly doing a poker with uh, glow sticks, you know, in A New Hope is the is the joke I make. But the way I've come around to it is I, I've been enjoying that lightsaber fight more and more because it is, you know, uh, a half man machine and mm-hmm. an older uh, out of shape Jedi <laughs> testing yeah. one another. You get the sense of the chess moves. There's that one shot where Al Guinness just kind of does a little like twirl of like, what yeah. does he think I'm going to do? And there, there's that sense of like, are we going to need to escalate to spins and flips or is this really just much more intimate of what does the other one know? What is the other one thinking? What is the other one feeling? You know? Yeah, it, that, this Lucas quote is great. So it really wasn't much of a sword fight at all. Um, Compared to what came later, no, it's not. But the, yeah. for me, that headcanon fills it in. But yeah, no, no, no. And what you're, I, I know exactly the moment you're talking about with Alec Guinness there, kind of making that move. And this is why I'm going to choose to say this carefully as well. That <laughs> reimagined Obi-Wan Vader fight uh, that, that went around the internet not too long ago was very well done very good uh, i re- i respect it and i respect the ideas behind it and uh, probably somewhat accurate if they made new hope today they we might have had that a little bit um i just think it 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 uh unintentionally i don't think the creators meant to do this at all i think it erases the stuff you're talking about what i do love about the new hope fight and yeah it is of its time and of its moment um no bob anderson was doing that he's a trained swordsman you know they could have they could have done a little bit more but and alec guinness you know was there you got those famous behind the scenes shots of him kind of uh, training the, the learn, learning the fight. I, I, I do like what that fight tells us about that time and those characters right then. And I don't ever want to see that lost. Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, it's a great lightsaber conversation. Um, the, the other thing I want to say is I, I agree with you. It's we, we've heard so much about the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy and had so much time to discuss those. Uh, but the sequel trilogy philosophy, I think I've heard bits and pieces of it, but just really hit, putting it here in the whole context and hearing Abrams say primitive, aggressive, rougher, I love that because it it does give a different flavor to it. Uh, we got that moment with Finn, but it, this is mostly talking about Rey and Kylo. This isn't like a whole new generation and they all fight this way. This is uh, these two characters, the dyad, fighting this way. And I love that there is clearly, especially from Kylo and, and Rey later on, she's got the staff training. She's used that for a long time. There's clearly, you know, technique. There's clearly knowledge, right? Uh but it still has that energy of who both the characters are of like, I'm bursting with power and I'm not exactly sure what to do with it. Or uh, I am angry in this fight or I'm fighting for my life or I'm fighting for, you know, uh, my dignity. I think for Kylo a little bit <laughs> uh, in that mm-hmm. Starkiller base fight. So they both just as characters have such great reasons to be uh, to use these elegant blades to just bash at one another and to bash at things, you know? There's a lot to there's a lot to study. I, I'm thinking of the the Kajimi uh, Star Destroyer kind of dyad connected fight, right? Which I love. I, I just love that image when when the 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 jar gets cut and the the red uh, fruit or beads or whatever flow on the floor. I just think that's great. It's something we hadn't really seen before. I'm a fan of it. But just yeah, it, it's what you're talking about. They're right, they know that by then they know they're connected. Uh, is he toying with her? Is he trying to get information? Do they love each other? I don't know. And they're trying to figure a lot of things out about themselves within the context of these fights. 
Um, and that's what each one of those fights has, has the meaning, uh, the meaning to me, and, and including the throne room fight where their blades never, never connect. But it's a lightsaber fight to me because we're learning a lot about them or what they think about themselves and each other in those moments. Yeah. And those are, you know, broad, aggressive strokes to hack and slash uh, the Praetorian guards, you know, to fight for their lives. Yeah, I, I think it's it's just really interesting to think like the prequel trilogy is showing a lot of different Jedi, a lot of different Sith at different uh, power levels, different techniques, different meaning. And then the sequel, besides uh, Finn, is Rey and Kylo. We know that Kylo is feeling the pull to the light side and trying to prove to himself that he is, you know, absolutely should be walking the dark side. So we know that there that he's conflicted. And then a lot of times where we see uh, Rey and her big fights, you know, it really connects to me back to like I built a staff at a young age because I had to fight to survive. And she is bashing away to fight to survive or, you know, because she's angry. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Or discovering things the force. Could, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, a lot of great stuff. Um, those <laughs> yeah, we can talk about just lightsaber fights uh, for the entire episode, but we're going to move on. Uh, there's also a cool list of all the uses for a lightsaber that we've seen of uh, cutting, blocking, throwing, illuminating, melting. Uh, what's something that we haven't seen a lightsaber do that you'd like to see? So I didn't do a deep dive into, say, legends or something, and sometimes there's a lot of cool things that are done in the those uh, stories that I'm just not familiar with, uh, right. so I apologize. Um, apologize. But how about this? Healing. Can you cauterize a wound with a lightsaber? <laughs> very carefully, very carefully. But I, uh, in the middle of uh, action on a battlefield, uh, you know, just truly a lightsaber giving life instead oh. of taking away, I, I'd be intrigued to see that. I love the idea of a lightsaber cauterizing a wound of like, you have to be very careful to do this right and have the right energy. That's, that's awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think this book does a really great job of kind of pulling examples from, from movies and, and, and from comics and video games, not as much from books, but I would love to see a, a lightsaber as a writing tool, uh, you know, whether it's a graffiti or an important message of just seeing it cut rock, you know, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn was here, uh, kind of a yeah. message. <laughs> I don't think Qui-Gon would do that. Uh, or artwork, you know, I love that that's kind of really, it's a lot of places in Star Wars, but it's so introduced with Sabine and like, you know, in her mm -hmm. brief possession of Darksaber, did she ever, uh, you know, cut out a sculpture, or, you know, make a line drawing in a, in rock with the Darksaber? That would be really cool for me. I'd love that idea, too, if you could use it like um, almost like an ancient drawing, right? And in a cave or something. And we've seen some of that stuff, like you said, but like just the that it came from a, a Jedi in the old, old Republic that f discovered an evil and needed to warn somebody. Oh, as yeah. It, took him or her they need to carve into the rock warning yeah uh, like, yeah death hides here written in orbesh on an old cave wall with a lightsaber yeah yeah that'd be great yeah i've seen some like strange almost like kind of cubist sculpture that it's been elegantly made by some ancient jedi with a lightsaber love that yeah. uh my last one i thought of uh because I, I thought you might enjoy it of cooking uh can we ever see <laughs> Because lightsabers are energy weapons, but we we do see them used different ways. And whatever Qui Gon is doing to kind of manipulate his lightsaber, he does melt that door, which suggests the ability to generate uh, some kind of heat. So you know you can cook yourself a nice little meal, heat up your space burrito with your lightsaber. Uh, I'm gonna need to do that after the show. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think that's good. Around uh, you know around sort of a campfire set. If you didn't, if you can't, uh, don't have time for a campfire, just kind of prop up your saber. And hold some uh, space bacon over it. You got it. You got yourself. Uh, you got yourself a stew. No, uh, 
I like that. I like that idea. You got yourself a lightsaber stew. Uh, uh, the other thing that was really popping out to me when I was reading these uh, introductory uh, little chapters is that there is a much more complete picture of lightsabers in modern canon that has really emerged in the last several years. You know, we've got uh, Kanan really uh, spilling some knowledge when he teaches Sabine in Rebels. Uh, we've got more kyber crystal lore uh, just from everything from uh, Rogue One to Catalyst to uh, all sorts of different places. We get the bleeding the crystals from the Ahsoka uh, novel and the Darth Vader comic book and then uh, Rise of Kylo Ren. We get a lot more detail on specific components and uh, styles of uh, hilts. Uh, from both Galaxy's Edge and the video game Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, my question is, we've got all this information that's come out about lightsabers. And again, with the caveat that, yeah, there's a lot in Legends, but we're, we're talking modern canon here. With all this information, Ken, do they still feel mysterious to you? Yeah, um, they do. That might be a little bit of choice for me to keep them there. Um, but the... Um, because uh, I'm still not quite sure how a kyber crystal really works. Um, I'm not sure, Joseph, if they need to go through a ceremony every time they lose one, looking at you. <laughs> um, you mentioned the Can the Canaan Sabine stuff in the Dar Trials of the Darksaber. If, if for whatever reason you're listening and you haven't taken that deep dive into Rebels, please do. That's some of my favorite stuff. So I just have not... I don't do a lot of lightsaber cross sections, you know, and I love the designs. There's some stuff in here too. And I would love to know a little bit of the history, but I kind of choose to keep it uh, at the spirit of uh, the, the weapon and what it means. I do enjoy, I really enjoy the bleeding, the crystals. Um, I got the, in the past, it was maybe more about the Sith uh, having synthetic crystals and I no problem with that at all. I just think the bleeding, the crystals is very spiritual. It's very symbolic. It's very, dark and 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 not technical and that helps me keep the lightsabers mysterious yeah i think i think that's uh, i think you're capturing the the feel that i have is i feel like every answer that i've got in modern canon has invited more questions and opened up more possibilities which mm -hmm. is like oh okay i get how that works but now that uh, invites all these other questions which, which helps uh, make them feel mysterious like we know that kyber crystals are kind of sentient. We know that they can bond with a force user. We know that a force user can kind of, uh, you know, exert their will on them. But that invites all these great questions of how sentient are kyber crystals? How bonded to a non-force user can they be? Is there a limit? Or can, you know, Sabine or anybody else totally master the Darksaber? Uh, you know, if you can bleed crystals what else could you possibly make them do against their will, you know? Um, and then with like all the design stuff they were getting from Galaxy's Edge and Jedi Fallen Order and being able to stare at this great book, there's how much self-expression can you get into a hilt? Like what, what is the limit between self-expression and functionality? You know, I think they'll remain mysterious to me as long as the answers open the door to more questions. Yeah, they really do. Okay. The idea of, um, you know, the force kind of flows through, guides your actions. Ray, Ray again, going to Starkiller Base, or Ray just kind of hearing Moss's words and, and how it can guide our actions. And that, that flows to me straight down into the into the saber, right? And and um, I don't fully understand that stuff, and I don't necessarily want to ever fully understand it. It's part of the fun for me, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Was there anything else from those intro chapters that, that grabbed you that you wanted to be sure to talk about? Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, actually, yeah, I wrote something down. I, I realized we kind of maybe discussed it, but there was um, 
the line here in the intro, that in the very, very, very beginning, uh, the introduction section. I just want to make sure I get the quote 100% right. Um, those who corrupt the force can carry lightsabers too. Uh, the clash between good and evil is pit of Jedi and Sith since ancient times and finds the foundation for the generation-long wars that rock the galaxy. So you and I kind of talked about uh, you, you saying how the dark side could almost use them to, to mock them. But I just, I do love that choice going back to the very beginning. It is just a simple concept but the symbolism of one weapon, one force, and different choices on, on how to use them, I think is very important to the Star Wars story. I think um, George got that, even if it wasn't him going, oh, here we got, you know, here's what this means. It just is inherent to the storytelling and the symbolism of the weapon. And I just really like that. And I like that it was highlighted there in the introduction. Yeah, and that, that turn of phrase is really, really great. Uh, you know, there's some great straightforward info in these books, but there's some great writing of that great turn of phrase of like, e even those who corrupt the force. And, and that does extend to like, yeah, this is, we still use the lightsabers. We're still masters with them. They're still uh, precise weapons that require expertise, but it is this uh, perversion. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad the Sith don't have some other weapon. You know what I mean? I'm glad that it's the same. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, it's because it's just more lightsabers uh, to celebrate. And uh, that's what we're going to do in the second half. We're going to look at all those hilts and we're just going to have fun saying which ones we liked. We'll be back in just a moment to do that. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 And we are back to finish our discussion of the great book, The Lightsaber Collection. The vast majority of this book is just awesome pictures of lightsabers. So we're going to discuss our favorites. Ken, the first section is Jedi of the Republic. Uh, Which ones were your favorite? What are a few favorites and why? Man, so there's a eh, man, there's a lot. And this and then again, this is me going. All right. Let me look at your lightsaber book. Okay, Uh, you know, I prefer blasters. And uh, gosh, there's some I'd never really focused on before. And, and that's uh, one of my choices. But I'll go this. Um, and oh, look at that. I just opened up right to the page. Page 38. Gungi. We've talked <laughs> about before. I, I, I like going to the forest. I like going up to the mountains. Uh, and uh, a wood-based lightsaber hilt. It's something I could, I could get behind. It means a lot. It means to a lot to Gungi. That great storyline uh, with... Um, on the crucible and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, anyways, I, I love the look and it is sleek um, and ancient all at the same time. It is exotic, but also very much what it is, a lightsaber. And so I really like that one first. Yeah. Uh, Gungi's on my list too. That is, uh, if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, uh, for some reason, it's the Clone Wars gathering arc. Uh, it starts out on Ilum and then the, the, uh, the younglings are trying to build their lightsabers. And, you know, I think it, I really have always liked that because uh, Gungi is a, is a Wookiee and this idea that the lightsabers do really represent you. You know, it's not just sort of aesthetic and fashion. 
and functionality of, you know, where do you find the uh, activation button to be the most uh, comfortable? But like they're extensions of you. They should feel like you. And that's one of the examples of on-screen storytelling where it's the most explicit of like, he is from a forest uh, world. He lives among the trees. Wood is the most natural thing uh, to his uh, wonderful little Wookiee fingers. So of course he wants wood. And it's just so cool to see it uh, up close and rendered realistically in this book. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what I love, again, go to the design of this book in general. I think Yoda's blade, even Peel's uh, blade, a little different uh, scale. But you could literally just kind of put your hand over the picture of the lightsaber and be like, oh, yeah, that's what it would look like in my hand. It's really cool. <laughs> what a great design. Anyways, uh, you want my uh, next choice here on the list? Here? Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Uh, I went to uh, I went a big classic answer, Mace Windu. Mm. Uh, you touched upon it earlier. I mean, we, all right, the, the magenta blade, the purple blade, and we all know the story, and they even highlight it here in the book. Sam Jackson's like, I can't see myself in the fight. I want a different lightsaber of color. Uh, sure, Sam, we're going to give it to you. So, yeah, we all know that, but to actually see the hilt just kind of highlighted, focused on in the spotlight, uh, I love kind of the, the it has kind of the, the black, almost hard rubber kind of grip uh, that I like in other lightsabers. It's got a, um, the pommel's very kind of, small but it's got silver and gold man it just pops it looks great and i'd never because he's always in action so i never really stopped to focus on it and i was like mace i get you man i get you you've made some mistakes i also think you're you're a great jedi you've done some wonderful things uh but i love you and i love your lightsaber yeah, no, I think that's a great one. I think uh, I've always liked that there's that bit of gold in it. And this book has that detail of gold can denote uh, being a high ranking member of the Jedi Council. It's like, oh, wow, that's uh, that's a little bit of pomp and circumstance uh, for the Jedi. Uh, but I've always liked that there, there's a little something in the kind of how gold it is and how slim and compact it is that connects it a little bit to Sidious's blade uh, mm -hmm. that I like a little bit of that connection. But I also like that, you know, Mace is a character who kind of doesn't apologize for the Jedi, right? He doesn't seem to have as many doubts or concerns about the path. It's just like, you know, he's he's confident of like, no, uh, the, the one thing we can't tolerate is intolerance. The Sith got to die. Normally, no, we would discuss it. But no, you got to go. Uh, and there's something about his lightsaber being sort of like gold and being like, no, I'm loud and proud. The Jedi are right. What's the problem? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, especially as we start to see more High high Republic Blades uh, roll out, and, and there is one in this book. Yeah, it, it, it now Mace's Blade kind of reminds me of that era. I, you might be right. Yeah, and th I, that's a great connection if they're, they're kind of uh, backfilling the way these lightsabers talk to each other across different eras of creativity of, like, you know, a, a Jedi in the era of the prequels who, who you know, doesn't actually think the Order has fallen as much as other people have. Maybe like, no, we, we still deserve gold. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I like that. A um, couple more for me. I, so I'm not, I, I, the classic ones, Obi-Wan in the hut and then um, Luke or the hero's blade, we, we're going to talk about. I, I do love that. And then Jedi Luke, I mean, that's probably still my favorite lightsaber, but I've talked about that. So we'll talk about it maybe in this episode, but I don't want to list that here. I'm going to stretch myself, Joseph, to go outside of what I normally answer. Uh, two more here. Quinlan Voss. Ooh. Again, talking about a, a, a character I know, but a lightsaber I've never really focused on. It's kind of longer. It's sleeker. It almost looks like a little bit of a, of a like a, the hilt uh, is more of like a katana sword, which, again, is what all these lightsabers kind of maybe spring out from. But it literally looks like um, 
a, a sword or even a kendo stick, just the way it's ra- almost as if it's wrapped, but it's not. And just kind of a simple silver design with, with some black showing up on, on top. I really like that one. And then the final one for me, Sifo Diaz. Mm. Mm. Where are you? Where have you been hiding this medieval-looking Saruman uh, two towers-looking design? It is it is awesome. I never really saw this one. I know, and I know it's a focal point of an episode. Yeah, where a player discovers it. I just never really focused on it, which shows you, you know, even I love learning new things in Star Wars years into this, and I'd never really seen it, and I might want this one. <laughs> Well, we're going to save some time because that was one on my list. I, I, you know, I was, I had a great Saturday afternoon flipping through this book. Uh, my, my wife was in the living room reading her own thing too. And I kept uh, interrupting her because I kept making noises. And this one was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> whoa. like, cause yes, I know I've seen this in the Clone Wars episode. I've seen that episode uh, multiple times, but there's some power in seeing it on these pages it, it rendered realistically and in comparison to all of the others, right? There's like this picture that emerges where, yeah, you, you know, it can be the practical thing. They're they're only they only have so many models of lightsaber, but a lot of our our friends, uh, lightsabers can get similar, like mm, Kit Fisto, Plo Koon, Luminara, yeah. and Dooley. Like they're, they're different, but they're in playing with the same same general parts. So then when you see something like Sifo Dias, uh, that's got these big flares on either end, almost like car horns or uh, not car horns, but mm-hmm. car fins. Um, yeah. it, it does, it looks like structure. It looks like, um, like a, an evil eye might emanate from the middle of it yeah. somehow, you know, uh, it is, and then that, but there's not a bunch of stuff on it. So it looks like it also has a, a real comfortable grip right in the middle. Uh, there's mm-hmm. so much that just aesthetically makes it different, makes it really different. And then I yeah. think the fact that it is really different and, and some of the angles almost evoke a little bit of uh, aggression or uncertainty actually does really match where he was at of like. I'm being plagued by these visions and I, I know that war is coming. So I have to do this, you know? Oh yeah. You're a hundred percent. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's something special. It's uh, it, 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 uh, yeah, you know, right. The prequel, the prequel era Jedi's, there's a little bit of uh, you know, all right. Yep. That looks like it. That looks like it looks like it. They all kind of have kind of the same kind of the pommel, every, everything, uh, uh, you know, um, this is unique and, and, and me wanty. <laughs> yes no yeah this is definitely like uh if there's an, any sort of other you know petition of uh, force effects or uh you know galaxy's edge like yeah th- this one's great i really love that yeah. um great choices uh yeah I, I think i had that same relationship with you with the classics we'll, we'll talk about the skywalker uh blade because because we have to um but i think this was really fun for me to have it just on two different pages so I could flip back and forth and really look at the difference in terms of classic uh, hilts between Obi-Wan's final blade and, uh, and Luke's uh, green blade uh, and see how, how very similar they are and see what the little differences are. Uh, but a thing that really popped in the description of Obi-Wan's lightsaber, which is probably my, my if, you know, if I actually have to choose my favorite, the mm-hmm. choice to make that exposed neck and you know this is just totally going into you know headcanon dive into the the story and forget the the real world when was it built and why and all that i just love the untold story that obi-wan has this very different blade when we meet him as a padawan and that, that one's cool he loses it and then he rebuilds very similar blade that he has in attack of the clones loses that and then finally he's like you know I got to go in an entirely different direction. And a part of it is this very vulnerable 
exposed, open neck. And that's like, that's really like, I don't need all of the fuss. I, you know, it, it's almost like him saying, you know, uh, to our four, no, no, we don't need to do anything too fancy in our flying moves of like, I want a stripped down lightsaber that just is what it is and doesn't have any pomp or circumstance. Yeah, it, it's 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 a classic for a reason. Um, just something about that uh, where, where the blade kind of extends from. It just kind of it's different. It just really stands out. Yeah, yeah, that saucer emitter is just really yeah. really powerful. Um, yeah, so for me, uh, you touched on a couple of the other ones that jumped out for me. Uh, Gungi with his uh, Brylark bark, that's so great. Uh, the Sifo Dias one is so great. Uh, the other two that I have on my list, because uh, I tried to contain myself, is uh, another one that made me make a noise is Jocasta Nu. Um, oh, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I love the character of Jocasta Nu. I love the way that she is used in Attack of the Clones and the Clone Wars. I love the idea of this... Uh, kind of stern librarian who is uh, watching over the Jedi archives and is very sure that she has collected all the wisdom and you know she appears in the in the Vader comics and that's great and, and we get to see her it, it being both wise and and in big action so this is another one where like we have not seen the blade uh, up close in to see it rendered realistic what I love about it is uh, so it's it's Silver and gold, chrome and gold. It's got a kind of, not super bright, but a gold uh, pommel and then a kind of saucer emitter, but a kind of big cap emitter that's uh, gold as well. And then it's got these uh, kind of two additional swoops on the side. It's very clean, uh, but there's something about it that's like this great combination between like art deco and flying saucer. <laughs> it's just, it captures so many of the different aesthetics of Star Wars. That's partially this sort of like uh, just pulp, you know, 1950s aliens are invading. Uh, but then also like this really beautiful, thoughtful art deco. And I just love it. It fits her character and it looks cool as hell. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. The, the emitter does kind of look like it was on the on display at the World's Fair. <laughs> um, yeah, the gag, because she's a, she's a, a, an older character, right? She's been around maybe a little bit uh, longer than some, some of the characters. I know ages of, of species are different, but, you know, she, she might have uh, designed this in a different time, you know, and I like that. Yeah, and I like that detail that, you know, she doesn't really need to wear it around the library necessarily, around the archives, but she might wear it... Uh, uh, f to let people know she means business. <laughs> She's going out uh, negotiating or uh, using the lightsaber in uh, daily breathing uh, rituals is really cool to imagine this lightsaber that that way. Um, yeah, and then the last one, I think uh, you could probably guess, Ken. I think people who've listened for a long time could probably guess. I was so excited it was included. It is Tara Sanube's saber cane. Come on. Uh, Tara Snube features in the background a couple places, but his big appearance is the Clone Wars episode uh, Lightsaber Lost, uh, and it's a big reveal, of course, in this episode that he's this very elderly uh, Jedi, and he has this cane that's got a, a chrome base and a big solid foot for bouncing on, and then this it's uh, Cassian wood. It's got this sort of twisty a little handle that ends in a T shape. So it just totally looks like a cane. It doesn't look like what you'd associate with a common hilt. And then you find out that he can pull the top of that cane off. And that twisty uh, Cassian wood top is a lightsaber hilt. And the rest of his cane is a metal rod. And the uh, blade itself is white. 
And then he fights by using that cool hilt, the white blade, and then still also hitting people with his cane. <laughs> like, what more could you want? A surprise blade that's a surprise color. Uh, and then he's got all that. I am, you know, very old and very elegant, and I'm a very good swordsman. And also, I have developed this form where I also use my cane to bash people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so great. It's a white thing of great beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do they call this? Do they have a? They have a functional cane that turns into a toy lightsaber. I want one. Give I, one. Yeah, I, I, I want a saber cane. Yeah, man, I've had, I've uh, had some injuries where I've had to use a, a cane in the past. Man, if it was a toy saber cane, I, I would have lost my mind with joy. Um, any, any other thoughts on Terrace Nube's uh, saber cane? Because I don't want to move no. on from that too fast. Uh, yeah, no, the heavy foot of the walking stick can be used as a bludgeon. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah yeah again it's the it's the ones that really uh reveal identity and, and are specific and different that really pop for me uh let's talk a little bit about the skywalker blade mm-hmm. there's some great quotes all all throughout on the actual page about it and earlier on they talk about uh designer roger christian uh for a new hope knew that this lightsaber was the excalibur of the film uh he talks about how he knew he nailed the design because he showed it to george and george smiled which was high praise um but for you what makes it iconic beyond its history like obviously it is the skywalker saber so we have like our emotional reaction to it uh but what like aesthetically what about like the 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 form of it do you think elevates it i'm literally staring at it here and by the way i love the one that's a little more dirty seen a little more action gets cleaned up along the way i'm looking uh, i'm staring at it in ray's hand i'm staring at it in in Anakin's hand and maybe that it is so timeless and fits in all generations of Star Wars that it looks the same but completely different in everyone's hand uh, that is a spiritual answer from afar but it just to me might just be that it's it's just simple it's not trying to be anything than what it is a, a blade of destiny <laughs> And I just like it. I and, and, and the 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 black um, kind of the handle again uh, that's at the bottom, and then and just kind of the rest of it's kind of silver. There's not a lot of distractions to it. And and the where where the blade emits is um is it looks very sword like too, which which is probably what uh, Roger Christensen was going for. And, and and that just might be it. I I, I do love Luke's Jedi blade, Obi Wan's, and those have similar shapes too, but they're slightly different. This one is just. I don't know. It, it it it's so sleek. It it feels as though it is an extension of of every character that holds it. Yeah, well, I think that's really well said. That there it is a, a lightsaber for all seasons, a lightsaber for uh, all heroes. Yeah, I, I think there's something about a couple things in the design that that you touched on that I really really like. I think there's that possibility of it being. It looks in, entirely perfect for a blade to emit from it because. It, unlike Obi-Wan's that has a saucer emitter, it's got that, you know, the emitter is just kind of a part of it. It's just an extension of it. And then it's got, it's at that angle, right? So it's got that jutting energy. So it looks like something should flow out of it. So on one hand, it looks exactly appropriate uh, to be uh, the hilt of a sword. Um, but there's also something about its actual origin being a bunch of different stuff put together. Like you could find that something like that in an old junk drawer and go like, you know, what is this old piece of junk? And it's this old piece of junk that hides magic. You know, it's yeah. it's not the same as finding maces and go like, oh, this is an, uh, some elegant, important thing. Like there, it, there's this possibility of seeing it as junk that hides magic. 
junk that hides magic, the sword of destiny. I love that. The sword of destiny is junk that hides magic. But yeah, and then just on a like purely aesthetic level, I love that it is that it is the, just that chrome and black, it, the prominent uh, D ring to hang it from your belt. Uh, so it's got this real functional aspect. But then the fact that there is this energy to the way the emitter is at an angle and there's that little piece on the side that sticks out that you don't see on a lot of other lightsabers up uh, toward the top. It's got this great rhythm between being very uh, uh, mechanical and still, you know, hinting at organic, which I think is such a theme in Star Wars. Absolutely. And again, and focusing, too, on the the repaired version, uh, you know, that uh, the blade cracked in two, it it just it's still just just looks so sleek, man. Just uh, I love it. Great, simple design. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they feature in this section training blades, and I wanted to ask about this. Uh, they talk about how they can be adjusted for the uh, Padawans in training to just deliver a mild shock. And this is something that's been in Star Wars storytelling before, but just to hear it here in this lightsaber book was fun. Uh, why do you think the Jedi out in the galaxy don't set their lightsabers to mild shock? <laughs> um, I Look, I think... Uh... You got to make it if, if it depends on how fast you can switch it back and forth. I'm looking at the, <laughs> the, the, the you have the blue button and the and the black button there. I don't know. Does that make a difference? I just think you're out and about in the galaxy. The split second timing needed to know when shock is better or uh, a full blade is sometimes uh, too difficult to manage in the real world. Uh, and but it works for Swords Bandim, but not uh, not uh, Kit Fisto in the galaxy. But uh, you know maybe that maybe that comes into play in other storytelling. Yeah, yeah, I think it absolutely could. Uh, but I, I go with you. I, I think just from a storytelling standpoint, you know, th- there's always that risk of, uh, you know, weakening the storytelling, elevating the stakes. If you had a story where it is set uh, to mild shock, you know, that needs to really be a part of the story, right? Uh, and the, yeah. hey, this is a blade. It is a responsibility. It is very deadly. If I choose to use it, I choose to use it. It is a commitment uh, to my actions. Uh, I think it's, you know, obviously stronger mm-hmm. storytelling. And, and I think that's that's got to be a part of the Jedi philosophy of like, yeah, when we're training, we'll make sure that, you know, four year olds don't accidentally cut their hand off or, you know, very young Padawans sparring. Uh, yeah. But that's a part of being a Jedi is realizing that you have power and your power impacts people and you can't step away from that by, you know, uh, turning your lightsaber into just a, a shocking toy. Right. And yeah. I think of I think the uh, you do such a good job, Ken, of bringing in other storytelling to talk about Star Wars. And I think of the great uh, Breaking Bad uh, discussion of half measures of when is it dangerous to take a half measure? Half measures. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see Obi-Wan going, no, no, no. Um, Put it to full. (laughs) No half measures. There's no half measures in the force. Yeah. All that said, now that we've had so much Star Wars storytelling and lightsaber storytelling, I do want to see some time where, you know, somebody won't talk to Anakin in the Clone Wars and he just sets it to mild shock. and It's just a jerk. (laughs) Just ouch, bzz, quit bzz, 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 bzz. ouch, quit it. <laughs> ouch, quit it. Yeah. Uh, we're going to move on from the Jedi of the Republic section. Any other thoughts on that before we move on? Uh, no, no, no. A lot of choices. Uh, yeah, you and I highlighted just a few, but uh, a lot covered in that section. Yeah, a ton covered in that section. So we are going to move on to our favorites from the next section, which is Acolytes of the Dark Side. So uh, which jumped out at you here and why? Well, I'll tell you what jumped out at me first that I don't necessarily agree with. I don't know where else you could put it. The name is is certainly fitting. Does the Darksaber really belong here? It, it was like we were communicating through the Force. That was I, I said that out loud on my couch on Saturday. Yeah, that's the first entry, the Darksaber. 
It's got Sabine Wren in it. I dare say she is not an acolyte of the dark side. <laughs> I get the inclusion of this isn't like a critique. Um, but yeah, and, and certainly some people who have have held, that's what this blade represents, a choice. Do you unite? Do you destroy? What can you do with this blade? So I get it. But um, they, yeah, I don't know. I think the picture maybe should have been of Maul, right? Because we've seen that blade do horrible things in the hands of Maul. Uh, probably, you know, anyway, we, we might see it do some good and bad things in the future. Uh, but yeah, no, I, it's it could go in Jedi of the Republic because uh, it was made for the in olden times by Tara Vizsla, right? Uh, it could be in uh, you know a new generation because uh, that's what uh, you know Sabine might represent. Uh, so hard one to place. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, yeah, wasn't too serious a criticism, but I definitely am I'm wondering. Uh, all right, so some of my choices. I'm going to give a. I don't know. I feel this might be on your list. I'm just going to give an honorable mention. Not talk about it too much. Uh, Darth Sidious. Uh, you know, say what you will. He's got some style when it comes to this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> not a, not a, agreeing with anything Sidious uh, puts out there in the galaxy, but his blade is cool. Um, I got it. Uh, and the, look, the Vader's classic is in a way. I, I, I still look at the Ventress blades. Um, uh, the, 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 the very, very, very just real world sword like and, and, um, uh, katanas indeed all those kind of things you can talk about describe lightsabers but i just like that they connect they come apart the curved blade really different uh which and has a power to them and and, and yet a, a kind of uh inherent beauty and i think that's all that stuff with with ventress this complicated uh character that is at times uh has a lot of pain in her life and at times has a lot of great purpose and and works through things and, and does do some good things and does a lot of bad things there's a lot to this character and i think her her lightsabers match that yeah, I think that's that's a great choice. I love that they have the curved hilt, so they do, uh, you know, match her master Dooku, but they've got that interlocking component, and they make that strange S-shaped uh, lightsaber. So on one hand, it's like, oh, yeah, no, she's like a lot of the sabers we see emulate their master, but there's something about them that are very diff- that's very different and unique and all her. And that's great storytelling just with the design. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the other one I got, I mean, I'm sorry, man. Kylo Ren. <laughs> and no, all, sorry's needed. Yeah. But it's, it's messy and it's put together and it's, uh, connecting to, uh, something from the past, but it's also him and it's, it's, um, you know, no deep philosophy or insight needed. It's, it's unchecked. It's unbalanced. It's exploding out the sides. And yes, there was the, in the book, even kind of, uh, to calls it a firestorm of fan chatter, which is a nice way to describe what was going on back then. But even then, that seems like nicer, calmer times in the fandom where we were just battling over this blade. Um, a harbinger of things to come for certain. I just really love it. I just really love it. And I do have one of uh, the the toy versions, not the fancy versions uh, around my house. It just, it looks good. It looks good. Yeah, it's aesthetically cool. Yeah, I went on a journey with this because I, I was involved in that firestorm. I, you know, I made jokes yeah. about it. Is it, is it trying? Is it the tri saber? Is it the trying too hard saber? Uh, and then, I, as this book so rightfully points out, there's a, a, a debate about you know, is it there, there was that power of seeing Darth Maul's double bladed lightsaber? So uh, seeing this, was it just like we need something new for the trailer? So the lightsaber's got to change and evolve. And and we had fun debating it utterly out of context. And I think once people saw the film and saw like, wow, it matches. Even the blade itself, I remember you being concerned about one shot because you thought it looked off uh, in the special effects and then you see it and like oh there's a reason uh that he's got venting quillians (laughs) as they as they describe them uh yeah yeah, go ahead Uh, his his blade represents uh 
uh, a point in my Star Wars fandom too, and it sounds similar to yours. Where you know, look, a good joke is a good joke. Uh, trying too hard to favor is funny. Let's not take take that away from you there, Joseph. Uh, no, please but, take it uh, away from me. I, I regret it. Um, but you know, it, it, where where some too, far too often you can just see something and you go just a really different direction with it and then don't just wait to see what it really means or what they could have done and maybe maybe the creators will miss the boat on some of these things but there there was a lot of intention and purpose behind that lightsaber that design and, and we just kind of had to take a breath and let it happen and uh, uh and i and i think that that so that lightsaber does represent that to me as well a uh, growth in my personal journey yeah yeah um and this this one was definitely one uh, that was on my list. So I'm, I'm just want to jump in and, and share uh-huh. the, the emotional journey I went on of like I I came to love it right away of realizing like oh it's like him it's uh unbalanced it's you know shaky I love that it looked like yeah the the lightsaber the those quillians might be used in is a practical purpose because that's what a lot of the uh, debate on social media was of you know anybody who uh, ever you know played with swords or worked at the Ren Fest was wanting to tell people what, why there was actually a good design or not a good design and all that. Uh, but when you right. saw it, it was just what it represented that it was about his character was uh, so powerful. And when I was reading this book, this one emerged as one of my very favorites of everything because it might be like the closest to best match between the weapon and the character. And mm-hmm. now that we have the full story of, uh, from the movies and from the rise of Kylo Ren comic book that that is his old saber that that that's what he had. And that is a broken, he broke his own crystal and that's why it's shaking. And like, he's committed to the dark side, but not all the way. And then the fact that it's burnt out and stripped down. And in particular, Mm -hmm. like it has that one red cord hanging out. Like it's like literally a raw nerve hanging out. And like, that is uh, Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo. Yeah. And that's also how I would build a saber. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man, where does this go? I don't know. Just duct tape it down. Yeah, it's just total power and vulnerability at the same time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Great yeah. stuff. Great stuff. Uh, thank you for letting me jump in there to lose my mind about uh, Kylo Ren's uh, great, great blade. Uh, what else is on your list? Well, so I have two more to to highlight here. There's some other great choices, but I I have been at times, uh, you know, like like you and the Kylo Ren blade in 2014, but. I've not been a huge fan of the Inquisitor lightsabers overall. I, I over, I, you know, I'm fine with them, but I, the helicopter blade thing's never been my favorite thing, and that's fine. So I've never, therefore, I've never really focused in on them. This book literally says, "Hey, focus in on these lightsabers." There's a lot of Inquisitor blades; they all kind of look the same to me. But then I come across to the Second Sister and the Seventh Sister. Uh, second Sister, of course, from Fallen Order. Seventh Sister, Sarah, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character from Rebels, and hot. Damn, these two lightsabers are awesome in their designs. Uh, I, I had I focused Seventh Sister had seen enough on Rebels, but both of them look a little go with me here, like a like a, the the weapon that Xeno Warrior Princess had, you know, <laughs> and and you can take them apart. Um, but the designs, the 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 inscriptions on them, uh, Seventh Sister's got kind of the, the two pointy ends that I'm sure she could use as a, a knife as needed, uh, and I just both of them while when when i was able to see them not in action and not uh, with anyone holding them or f- helicoptering around just to see them on a table so to speak i i'm on board for them i think they're great designs yeah no i i agree with you that was one of the really fun parts of the uh acolytes of the dark side it's like a ton of them are these uh inquisitor blades and i think i've always i've been a little bit on the fence too of like uh, they're cool but maybe 
a, a little bit uh, more um, style over function. Uh, but I, I didn't realize how different they were. Like, I honestly didn't realize how different they were. And to see those pops of characters of like, which uh, Inquisitors have, you know, Oribesh inscribed around them and, and which one of them have like, you know, jagged things that pop out of those uh, spinning blades was really cool and made me appreciate them all more. Yeah, totally. I'm bored. So what's uh what's your next one? Oh, that's it. That's, I mean, I, I could choose more. Uh, there's uh, there's <laughs> a lot of them I like, but um, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll end my list there. Okay, okay. Uh, for myself, yes, Sidious is uh, top of the list. Uh, I just love it. It's such great design. Like I said, I think there is this little connection between him and Mace. I love how uh, the compact it is. It's elegant. It's got those great uh, swooping lines. Uh, but more than anything, it just it looks uh, wealthy and sneaky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just, that's Sidious. Like, he has, like, no, of, of course things I own should look rich and powerful because that's, it's everybody wants to be rich and powerful. And if you don't want to be, uh, if you claim you don't want to be, you're just lying. Uh, so here's just my truth in my blade. Uh, but it's just, it's so, it's so small and uh, distinct and brutal. And I just feel like, I, whenever I see it, I feel like, this is somebody who is going to kill you while also bragging that he has more money than you. Like there's just something about it that across the board looks elegant, brutal, and just evil in a beautiful way. I love your idea of like, I'm rich. I just can't let you see it. (laughs) (laughs) It's up my sleeve and I got two of them. Yeah. And uh, I love, you know, what we get to see in Revenge of the Sith. And I love what we get to see uh, in Clone Wars. Just love it. It's a, it's a great, a great blade. It you know it matches both his uh, the face he presents to the galaxy and his hidden face is maybe a more elegant way to say why I like totally. it so much. Totally. I love uh, it. Another one I pulled out is uh, I really like Maul's Imperial era blade because um, I love that he can disguise it as a cane as well. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I like that it looks like a broken Inquisitor blade. Uh, and I like that especially when you're flipping through these pages and you see all these Inquisitor blades and you just get that great story of Maul going, oh, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be mine now. Mine. Mine. Uh, the final one for me in the Acolytes, Acolytes of the Dark Side section, uh, this is the other one that made me make the loudest noise on my couch, uh, is Dark Side Ray. Uh, mm. This is one that we would have reasoned, I think, as fans to be really curious about, really interested in. Uh, there's some great stuff in the Rise of Skywalker novelization about it, um, but one that we don't really get to see, you know, she got her hands on it. Uh, we don't get to fully see it. Uh, it's in action in Rise of Skywalker, so just have it on the page. It is great. Uh, it's got these uh, kind of red crimson highlights, uh, the really slim shape, the really jagged emitters. You know, obviously the 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 folding and having it be a saber staff connects to Ray's needing to use uh, that staff as a defense. And so you can see like, oh, she could have built a light side version of this, but here's the dark side version of it. Uh, and the saber looks real dark side with the, the crimson highlights and the pointy mean ends. Uh, but you can also see with a few tweaks, it could have been an elegant light side weapon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the color scheme is great. And you don't really get to see that in the film, like you said. So, um yeah, because I, I I think I I don't gravitate towards the the the, the double sided sabers as much, and I I was one of the ones in 1999 who went whoa when Darth Maul <laughs> nailed that. Um, I, I just 
even the Jedi Temple Guards, Pong Krell, they're cool. I just don't gravitate to them. But the look of this, the uh, with her character and, and her skills with the staff, it, it definitely makes sense. And to, you know, I like. I wish more lightsabers had more vibrant colors to them. You know. Yeah. No. Agreed. Very much agreed. So yeah, it's great to see dark side rays, uh, uh, double lightsaber fully. <laughs> Fully lightsaber up close. Any other lore details in this section that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, gosh, I, th- I think I didn't write any uh, note down on that. I apologize. Um, other, yeah, but it's again, uh, just to be able to focus on it on the blades, uh, you know, uh, when they're moving about. I, I, not to, not to overly change my opinion on the Inquisitor lightsabers, they're still maybe my less favorite of the blades, but let's see how, yeah, you, you, they are very personalized to these faceless characters uh I, I i was glad to take the time to notice them. yeah yeah and i think seeing them all together it shows you what's different about them and it kind of gets into this the emotion of them being just sort of issued of these are the kind of sabers you have you know and are you going to make them your own or not and how much are they encouraged to make them their own uh by vader and the emperor um let's move on then to the final section uh, a new jedi tradition uh, what do you like in this section I got to tell you, I really love Kanan Jarrus's lightsaber. Um, talk about really looking like a sword. Uh, and it's got even got the uh, little uh, D ring, like you said, there to uh, hang. Uh, not a lot of not enough lightsabers for me have uh, a hanging ability. I want to see, <laughs> even though I know their belts probably do it a little differently. Uh, and talk about colors. It's got slightly, slightly different color to it uh, than just a straight uh, metal gray, gunmetal gray. And it looks. Uh, it looks from a different era, you know, and I love seeing this in a more mo- modern meaning, you know, original trilogy t- timeline in terms of the story. Uh, it's definitely a, bl- a lightsaber that belonged to someone else from another time. And he has it and he's got to learn to kind of reconnect with it. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. It is uh, blunt and functional. I like that you can, he can uh, snap it apart and make it look like not a lightsaber and snap it together. And it's, that's cool to see it in the yeah, realistic detail as well. Uh, so, yep. what else uh, for you in this section? Um, I got. I'm going straight to the main event here. I, I do. I have grown to like Ezra's little uh, lightsaber blaster hybrid, but uh, you know, I'm not going to listen. I'm. I'm, I'm just going to layer layer again as lightsaber man. Right. Uh, we talked about this, and, and it's one of the things I do love about Rise of Skywalker and what it means. And and hey, you talk about I want some different colors in my lightsaber blades. This one is just a beautiful lightsaber. Uh, but powerful, uh, reminiscent of, of Kenobi's and Luke's Jedi blade, um, uh, kind of the, the exposed neck, and it's got the it's got a, a ring to hang things on. Apparently, I, I need that more than I thought. I just I just really love this. I mean, for us to spend a long time to get this in canon, modern canon. I know she probably you know had lightsabers and legends, all that kind of stuff. No disrespect to that, but to finally get it. Here to see it, I uh, I just, I, I loved it. I loved from the first second I saw it, and I love it now. Yeah, Leia's Blade is one of the reasons I was excited for this book of like, I just want to be able to see it really, really up close. That so you can freeze frame the movie, obviously, but to just kind of see it in all its glory. There's so much that's aesthetically cool about it. There's so much that is meaningful about it that, you know, you go through this book and it, it's got some great... Um, behind the scenes stuff, but it's got some great, it invites headcanon. Uh, this is a, a blade that you know behind the scenes was created full well knowing that the story of this was what does this blade mean? Who made this? Th- this wasn't 
do, do we got one for Fish Guy? Do we got one for Smiley Kit Fisto? Which one? Like, so much care went into this, and it shows in the design and the storytelling. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love this reddish color. Is it a dark rose? Is it sangria? I don't know. It looks like uh, <laughs> it looks like you could definitely get an iPhone <laughs> that yeah. has this elegant color. Uh, those that neck emitter that does look like Luke and Obi-Wan's, but is still different and unique because it has a sort of like uh, uh, three spheres at the top. The middle of it has a kind of uh, flare that's got this nice uh, sci-fi energy and that flare also matches uh, Ben Solo's blade. So there's that great connection there. Uh, And then the whole thing just looks regal and artistic. So it looks like it Mm -hmm. came from somebody who was raised to be a royal ruler of a high culture place like Alderaan. And Mm. just thinking through it from that perspective, like the designers definitely made this to be like, this is Leia's saber. It's going to have weight that it's her saber. It it should connect to Luke. It should connect to Ben. It should look like no other lightsaber that we've quite ever seen before. There's all those real world considerations. But when I look at this uh, in this page, I had just the like, the desire to hear the story of Leia sitting down to make it. You know, we talk about Leia a lot as the the steadfast character who's like, I, you know, I, I have my emotions, my needs, but I will uh, deal with those later because I am going to take care of whatever needs to be done. And Luke saying, you know, in this training, like a part of your training is design a lightsaber. Sit down and think really about yourself, about your past, about your future, about how this weapon is the symbol of who you are as a Jedi, who you are as a person, what do you want to build? And it just made me happy to think of Leia being tasked with the responsibility of just thinking about what does she want her blade to represent? Yeah, and, and what a life she's led and, and, and so many influences she can draw upon to pour into this blade, and she does it. Uh, and it works. And I love uh, Daniel Wallace writes this sentence. Curved metal grips are spaced around the midsection surrounding a crystal heart that projects a blue blade. Uh, yeah, every every lightsaber probably has that. But the, the, it really stands out here is just a, a, what this uh, blade represents. Uh, and yep, Leia passes it on and and um, and everything. And, and, and how, you know, what you've talked about often here, it's something we love at Force Center, Joseph, just like without this blade. Uh, Ray uh, cannot defeat Palpatine. She needs both. She needs both. And this blade matches that uh, significance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so for you, anything else from the new Jedi tradition? So there was a little, uh, here's one little note I did remember to, to uh, put down here. Uh, there's the thing in the, um, oh wait, is it in the section or is it the other one? Oh gosh, did I miss it? Maybe I did. Oh, I guess I can't talk about it. Uh, no, um, <laughs> There was the thing, yeah, well, oh gosh, it wasn't the other one, of uh, uh, Ezra finding the cross, uh, the saber. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And there was the great line that, uh, you know, we, we love, make no mistake, we here at Force Center love Dave Filoni's contributions to Star Wars, and, and uh, you know, I've, I, I've had met him for two seconds, once drunkenly accosted him at Comic-Con and, and sat next to him at an event. He is, by all accounts, a great guy. So I don't want anyone to ever think that we, we're jabbing too much at him more than fun. But I do sometimes think he, he, he's worried. He's going to tell his stories and he does love the lore because he knows it more, almost more than anyone else. And he's going to take what he wants and puts into it. And he's just going to make sure he tells the story. 
But the, to hear that the that the, the lightsaber that Ezra kind of picks picks up that is quote Kylo's lightsaber, but it's a green blade from the past. The fact that uh, Filoni had a design like that to 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 match Kylo's blade because that would indicate that Kylo spent some time studying the history of what came before him and that past that he fears so much and doesn't want to learn from or, 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 or wants to destroy, I should say. I, I love that little detail. I love that little detail. And, and, and that is an example of when you can connect lore up in, in a powerful way. It just has more significance to me and more impact. And I really like that. So I did want to highlight that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great scene in rebels. And I think that's a yeah, great design to know that like, yeah, this is, this is a standard design uh, at one point or was a possible design one point in Kylo's version of it is uh, dark and messy and yeah, even in his declaration of like, I'm free of the past, I'm just going to be myself. Oh, but that design back there was real cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I thought I thought it was in the other section. I guess it's not. So. Oh, yeah. No, no, no worries. Uh, we're not going to stand on, uh, uh, you know, absolute chronological order. We do not need to talk through the book chronologically. Uh, Star Wars has had its issues with telling things in chronological order. So I think we're fine. Only the Sith deal in absolute podcasting. <laughs> exactly. Uh, for me, in the New Jedi tradition, I just uh, had to talk about Ray's blade. Um, this is just uh, one of the most powerful parts of Rise of Skywalker to me. We've talked about it a lot that, yes, she she needed uh, to help complete both Luke and Leia's journey. She needed both blades to do that. Uh, she defeated uh, the Sith, the Sidious. Uh, and then respectfully buried those symbols of the past and went on to create her own blade made out of her own past, her own tradition. So seeing the blade made out of the staff, it's got the the yellow uh, you know, blade that makes it different as well. There's so much about it that's just like, and now I, I've learned from the past and now I take a step forward of my own. The lightsaber symbolizes that so much. But then just aesthetically, you know, if you're looking for lightsabers that are different, this is such a different lightsaber. It fits Ray so well. Uh, I love that the um, the staff. There's the sections of the staff that have always, even even when it was a staff, and it made us all speculate. Like, yeah, that that part of the staff is actually similar to Maul's emitter, or you know, to some of the pommels of of older Jedi. So it's already got a little bit of that lightsaber aesthetic in it, even though it's uh, the staff. It's got mm. that great cloth wrapping, uh, and then I just. You know, the spin ignition is just so different, so cool. And then this other great addition of when it ignites, those little teeth open up. Like a lightsaber yeah. with teeth. Come on. <laughs> Why don't more lightsaber have teeth? That's what I'm asking. Lightsaber teeth. Hashtag lightsaber teeth. Lightsaber teeth. Yeah, so I just, this that was another highlight of the book. It's so great that that's, that's where it all is building to because that's kind of our our most recent new brave new lightsaber it is a brave new lightsaber i do like that one a lot yeah do you uh have we, have we i don't know if we've uh, even if we've discussed it before this is a great time to bring it up the decision to it's not a two-sided blade uh where do you where do you stand on this controversial uh, topic joseph i really like it because i feel like it is her looking not just at the previous generation's past and learning from it and moving forward but her own past i feel like it would have been cool for her to have a, a double-bladed staff, but I like that she takes a part of what her history is and makes you know the saber out of a part of the staff, but it is also this uh, picture of her taking a step forward. For her to have the double-bladed 
Saber would have just sort of continued, like, I'm used to fighting with the staff. I think that way. I fight that way. It's instinctive. And mm-hmm. yeah, she's been fighting with the Skywalker blade as well. But this is like, I'm really choosing to go in a different direction. And I also think that there is a power to what we were talking about at the very beginning of the podcast of that statement of this is, you know, the weapon of a Jedi. This is the weapon of a hero. When there is trouble, I choose to ignite it. Boom. There's just a power in that being one blade to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, you're describing what's in my soul better than I even understand. I, I, Again, it's not just because I just I'm not as a fan of double sided blades as, as others. I I I think they're great. I just I just it it would have been like oh yeah okay cool yeah she's got a double sided blade. This just had a little more meaning to me, especially when you see it and it is kind of because it is literally from her past uh, moving forward. It's just, it's just it's simple. It's not super insightful. It just is what it is, and I love it. Yeah, me too. And I love double sabers. When I played Jedi Fallen Order, and as soon as I was able to have uh, the double bladed, I did. I had a double bladed uh, yellow saber for as long as I could fight, and it made me so happy. <laughs> same. Yeah, no, same. Yeah, yeah. It's. It, I mean, I was feel like you're kind of splitting hairs almost, but yeah, yeah. No, I. I, I, yeah. I like. Anyways, I just wanted to get your take on it. We. I don't know if we've ever really, really talked about it in that level. Um. Uh, and and, I, and look, if she had been, if it had been a double sided blade, I don't think I'd be like what no i would have been like yeah okay again that makes sense too but i I like this decision yeah yeah uh yeah so thank you for asking because i I hadn't fully thought of that uh to articulate it i've definitely thought it but i haven't thought it out loud and that's what podcasts are for thinking out loud uh so that's basically the book ton of other great details ton of other great sabers we could do a super super long episode uh but I, i highly suggest that if you're a lightsaber fan check it out it is just really fun to spend quality time with all of those hilts all those blades i did want to ask you a couple of general lightsaber questions to wrap up here ken uh what kind of future lightsaber designs do you want to see? What what kind of evolutions? You know, that's the long-standing conversation now of like how different or weird should they get? What do you want to see? Yeah, look, I, I like, um, you know, referencing Legends again, but I do like some of the weirder ones in there, a light whip or something. I, I, I can get behind those ideas, but for some reason I, I've been pulling away from that and and I guess I'm a more of a lightsaber traditionalist than I thought there, but uh, a curved blade a little bit like uh like a the weapon of the dothraki in game of thrones or something like that like i explore that particularly if a jedi knight knight came from a a a culture that had that kind of weapon and wanted to to use that and represent that inside the jedi order just something kind of different i don't know how it would work technically how does a laser bend i don't know i don't care just have it out there (laughs) um uh that that could work for me two um uh, a blade that comes out in a v that's a double-sided blade i don't know <laughs> this is why i'm not designing things i'm not nudging for a reason um but other than that joseph i gotta tell you i just like the hilts are where we get to express so much and uh, i could see more of that yeah i i think i'm i'm with you i'm sure there are other great designs that they that's in the book the um the upcoming High Republic has some different things with the like physical quillions that have a tiny blade of energy between them. Like I'm sure there's going to be much more uh, to come and just cool different designs in terms of the actual what parts part of this ignites in what direction. But yeah. I'm kind of with you. Flipping through this book is a great uh, demonstration of there's so much room to explore just in the hilt. Uh, and I'm with you. I would love to see more colors and hilts. 
because we have a lot of the chrome and the black and the gold and the silver, but you know, you could get some mm-hmm. big, you know, swings at color. If you, you had a, a Jedi uh, from whatever era who's, who's comes from a very colorful culture. Maybe they come from a, uh, you know, a planet that has rainbows every day and every plant is a different color and they can see colors we can't and they just make a crazy quilt hilt of a lightsaber. That would be cool. Or people just having more accents of just like mm-hmm. orange centers me. So I got a big orange uh, blotch on this. So I'd like that. I'd love to see more hilts with just strange material. Um, yeah. I'd love to see some hilts that maybe kind of, we get this a little bit with things like Count Dooku where he's got the kind of, the cruel hook that uh, comes up uh, higher than the emitter. I would love to see more stuff like that of like parts of the hilt that creep up and kind of go with the blade. Right. That would be cool. Um, And then more than anything, I just want them to evoke the character and the times. There's so much design that you can get out of them. That's why is this lightsaber the way it is for this person and for the time that they're using it or built it. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. The color, going back to the color thing, like I, like I love forest green, dark green. Give me, I, give me that. Give me an old dark green and and black blade. I, 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 that's what I want. Oh wow! I'm, it, I'm heading the galaxy's edge right now to build that. <laughs> I, I brought my own paint. I'm gonna paint this green. Um, so we've discussed this before, uh, but now that we have poured over this lightsaber collection, do you have new thoughts on what your blade would be like? Would it be forest green? Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna add some color, but the shape wise, again, I. I uh, Luke Skywalker's Return of the Jedi Blade, it is absolutely because at seven, I saw that blade, it was inspired by it and inspired by the hilt. Absolutely is what it is. Obi-Wan uh, in, the, in the hut, as I call it. Love that too. So I would keep it like that. Simple, uh, direct. I I am um, I, I am not a super fancy fellow. So I just want something like that. And then I needed a little functionality. Going to... Uh, I'm not, I'm not great at sword fighting, uh, but I played some baseball in my day and I'm a choke up on the bat kind of guy. All right. Ah. So, um, I, uh, I do lift, I do lift my weights, but I have weak wrists. I have very thin, weak wrists. All right. It's there. I just highlighted a <laughs> personal, uh, uh, part of myself. I'm not happy with it's been my whole life. So because I don't have super strong wrists. So even in baseball, I needed a lighter bat and to have more control, I'd have to choke up on the bat about an inch. I think looking at some of these blades, especially, you know, even Daisy Ridley saying like some, you know, rise of Skywalker. We know they went with lighter designs, but seven and eight, she says they were, they're heavy. And hear Mark Hamill talking about it. It's supposed to be a heavy broadsword. Uh, I would need a little help. So I want a longer hilt that I am I can choke up on and have more control. Yeah, That's why you like Quinlan's uh, long blade. He, you could choke up on Quinlan's hilt. I think you're right. Yeah. 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 That is great and insightful and, and so practical. Um, yeah, for myself, I think I've discussed parts of this before, but uh, this walk, walking through this and seeing the how much we both want more color. I would love uh, some dark blue highlights. Uh, I would love some chrome. Uh, I would love some uh, ivory-like uh, substance, uh, some kind of uh, a bone, uh, not freshly hunted or anything like that. Uh, but that is uh, where my name comes from, of my last name, of the, the art of uh, carving on bone or ivory of scrimshaw, of uh, being a scrimshander is the term for the person who actually did the art. And my dad does that, and my dad has uh, taught me how to do it. Uh, so it would definitely be a heritage thing. I would love to be able to have some kind of a bone or ivory that I can uh, carve a little bit of scrimshaw into. Uh, that's the like more true tradition. And then on the uh, more honest part of it, uh, I'd love to have a, a bottle opener on the end of it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. 
it's very practical because even if I'm not uh, having cause to use it, you know, at parties, you could be like, hey, that guy who always rocks around with a lightsaber, he's got a bottle opener. <laughs> you, you can't tell me Rail Avaros or Obi-Wan Kenobi. Don't want that. <laughs> you have that and we just don't know. Rail Avaros for sure has a bottle opener on his lightsaber. Uh, <laughs> final question for you here, Ken. What sort yeah. of lightsaber storytelling are you excited for in the future? You know, what kind of stories might you want that are that's centered around lightsabers? I think we I think I accidentally stumbled onto it uh, earlier, but exploring what it means to wield one and maybe using it incorrectly. This talking about the stun thing or just, uh, you know, some of the things. But how about this? And, and there's been some things of uh, some some similar to this teased in the High Republic of just connection to the Force, but exploring a Jedi that just isn't as good as using a lightsaber as others. And and what does that mean, and how do you struggle with that? If you're, say, you're a young Padawan, 10, 11, 12, whatever, doesn't matter to me, and then you're in lightsaber class, and you've come to the realization that you're not as good as the others, and, and, and how can you work to get better? And what is your identity as a Jedi when you aren't a master swords person? And, uh, you know, what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, I would like to see that explored. Is there a way to turn that weakness into strength? Yeah. 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 And is it as simple as, oh, well, meet Jocasta new. Uh, she's got a great saber, but she she went into this. I don't think it's just that. And I'm not saying Jocasta new doesn't know how to fight. We saw in the comics. She's, she's, she can she can hold her own. Uh, uh, unfortunately, ran up against uh, Vader. But um, you know what I mean? So just uh, I'd love a, a positive spin on that. Uh, uh, one of these things is not like the other, but that is not a weakness. It is a strength. And how do I build from that? Yeah, I love that. That's such a great idea. Um, for myself, I think I go to a couple canon places. Of, I, I still would really love the story somewhere, somehow, of uh, both Anakin and Obi-Wan making their their blades that they wield during the Clone Wars. So, you know, it's such a great story that uh, they're tracking through Attack of the Clones of Obi-Wan saying, don't lose your saber, it's your life. And then Anakin being aware that Obi-Wan's going to be upset with him and then Obi-Wan loses his too, you know? Uh, it's not just the creation of, you know, I kind of want to know the story of the creation of the hero's blade and, and you know, is it tied into his ascension to Jedi Knight um, and, mm -hmm. and that similar things are going on with Obi-Wan and those two iconic plays. I'd love to know their origin. Uh, I, I, th there's stories dancing around this, but I really love Luke gathering blades you know there's so many questions of who ended up with what uh wh where did this one end up you know is there a cachet somewhere that would be great i'd love that some great uh storytelling after return of the jedi uh but then the other just like not connected to characters or canon we know um kind of like you you're pitching the story of the uh jedi who is maybe not as in touch with uh, the force itself or not as in touch with uh, lightsaber wielding i would love somebody who's had a falling out with their kyber crystal like <laughs> like yes. i don't want to get to that I, you know i i think the storytelling with the kyber crystals could get you know you could take it too far right but this yeah. idea that if the jedi is has at different times in their life been totally in sync with their kyber crystal and they they are working together through the force and it is this mystical spiritual thing but then this person has some kind of doubt or some incident or you know something bad happens with the lightsaber and they just can't get in sync with the kyber crystal or the kyber mm -hmm. crystal itself is realizing you're not where you're supposed to be and is like fighting them in some way so like a jedi has to go on a journey to like you know make up with their lightsaber it would be awesome i love that i love that mm. so many stories to be t told with these awesome awesome just beautiful wonderful weapons of the Jedi and also not Jedi as we know. Any uh, final thoughts, Ken? 
Nah, just uh, in, in closing, uh, to echo what I said up top is, I love me some blasters, love me some ships, and that's generally what I go to. But to really uh, go to this uh, this weapon of this saga of this franchise, it is you 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 say to someone, Star Wars, uh, what do you think? A lightsaber is going to be uh, in one of their answers early on, if even if they're not a diehard fan, and to to have this book that just again a beautiful design. I love it. I love it. Though I am getting my greasy fingerprints and all the paper. Uh, I love it. Congrats uh, to um, uh, Daniel Wallace. And uh, Inside Editions for putting out this wonderful little book. I, I'd call it must-have for any Star Wars fan. Absolutely. I think uh, if you're a fan of Star Wars, fan of lightsabers, you should check out this book. Uh, you should check, uh, just set up on your phone a little sound effect so you can make the lightsaber activation noise every time you turn the page. And that would only make it better. This book is, uh, is really great. Uh, Ken, do you want to tell people where they can find us? I'd love to on Twitter at Four Center Pod, Facebook pages Four Center Podcast. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Subscribe over there. Podcast podcasts available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Amazon Music. Uh, tpublic.com slash user is where you can buy some Force Center merchandise. Get a shirt, get a sticker, get a mug. Patreon.com slash Force Center is where you can support the show directly. Uh, we appreciate uh, any support there, but also just listening and spreading the word and liking and reviewing and subscribing. That goes a long way to helping the show as well. You can follow me at Cadnapsock or go to Cadnapsock.com for all the crazy things I do, including, by the way, I'm a rock and roll DJ in Pennsylvania on Saturday. Saturdays, and you can listen everywhere around the world at HOFMRadio.com. I uh, spin the classics, Joseph, every Saturday morning. It's like you're in Dexter's Diner listening to a jukebox. Is this is this new or just uh, something you've never I, told us before? I have been doing it for almost a year. And uh, I just, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I, I, I broadcast here in Burbank, but it's a, a radio station. Uh, two of them now, actually, in uh, Pennsylvania. But you can hear anywhere around the world through their website. So uh, it's been fun. Okay. Uh, I want people because I always make a little Star Wars joke every now and then. So I, I'm probably on an island doing that. But so maybe more Force Center friends can go over. That's so great. Yeah. And it's great that we can listen on the Internet, but it makes me want to drive and uh, jump in my car and just drive to Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and hear it on the actual radio. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out all of my comedy adventures. Uh, none of them in Pennsylvania right now, except there's internet in Pennsylvania, of course. All that information is on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. That is it for us, for myself, for Ken, for Leia Organa's elegant lightsaber. This has been Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 